just love that the families come up and, and read each Sunday. It's so exciting. Um, <laughs> seems like uh, the world and the enemy has thrown everything at us this week as a church. Uh, a lot of you can relate uh, to that. Um, but yet here we are, right? And uh, just because of what we heard, um, because God is, is with us, Emmanuel, that, that we can have joy. We, we learned about hope last week. We can have hope. But we can also, even with our hope, we can have joy, even in our circumstances, uh, no matter what is going on. And so that's my prayer this morning. I want to pause and pray about that, that we uh, taste and we see that the Lord is, is good. Let's pray. Dear the Father, Lord, we give this time to you this morning, and we pray that you would, in your way, through your spirit, that you would speak into our hearts, that you would help us to see, open our eyes to the hope and the joy that we have available to us if we would just set our eyes on you. So Lord, I pray this morning that in all that is going on in our world, in our lives, and even at, the, at your church, Christ's church, that we would set our eyes upon your son Jesus, we would focus on him, and we would have joy abundantly. And so, Lord, we ask this in, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. All right, so I titled this sermon, Oh, Taste and See That the Lord is Good. There was a man, started off in very humble beginnings, And through God's divine appointment, raised him up to follow him and gave him more and more responsibility and, and power. During this gentleman's life, he raised up within the ranks and he was in charge of armies. He had all that he ever wanted to do because of his faith in following God. And one day, the king, who he was under, decided that he was, didn't like this gentleman because of his success. He became extremely jealous, and he wanted to kill him. And so the man decided to run away. He went to a faraway land. He went to the ruler of this faraway land, and he had to pretend that he was crazy in order so that they wouldn't kill him. He pretended that he was crazy, and then he went to live in a cave to buy out his time, and other people followed him as well. Now imagine your life getting so bad that you have to run away from your home from your country to a foreign land, in order to not be killed there, you have to pretend that you're crazy. And then you have to go and live in a cave. Imagine your life being that way. You have left everything that you know, given up everything that you have, and now you find yourself living in a cave. Now, what do you think that your mindset would be at that time? How do you think you would handle that? What would your emotions be? 
We see in the Bible with King David this exact example. He had left King Saul, who wanted to kill him. He had gone into to the Philistines, and now he finds himself living in a cave, not knowing what his future is. And we see in Psalm 34 what David writes. And what I want you to focus on is what David is saying and what his attitude is towards God. <clears throat> Excuse me, verse 4, David says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. I ask you this morning, do you, in your fears, anxiety, do you seek the Lord? Verse 4, it says, I, and then in verse 5, it transitions from singular to plural, and it says, those, and so it's speaking to all of us, it says, those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. So even in a cave, David rejoiced. He had joy. He had put his focus on God, not his situation and not him personally, but he had totally put all of his focus on the Lord. He says, those who look to him, that is God, are radiant. They're radiant. Here Paul said we go from one degree of glory to the next. That we radiate God's glory as we focus on Him. And it's joy that we can have. And that we would never be ashamed as we, as we focus on the Lord. And at times when we are in immense trouble or immense stress, instead of focusing on ourselves and the situation, which is what the world teaches us to do, to focus on ourselves and the situation, here we see the Bible saying not to focus on those things, but to put our eyes upon the Lord. It's not that we can actually physically see God, but it's our eyes of faith. We put our faith and our focus on God, which gives us hope. In verse 8, in Psalm 34, David writes, he says, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O oh, taste and see. O oh, taste and see means that, that we have an experience with something. He says to taste it and to see. Test it out. Try it. If you put your focus on God, that you will taste and, and you will see, you will experience that the Lord is good. Men and I, as you know, we got back from Israel and there's a few things that they grow in Israel. Historically, the things that they grew went in Jesus's time. So olives, that's a big one, right? Olives, grapes, um, dates were a big one as well. I think pomegranates, pomegranates were a big one. 
But also in the fall, they would grow grains, just like we do here. Wheat and barley. Those are the two things that they grew. Now, the people who were more wealthy, they would get their bread made from wheat. The poor people would have their bread of barley. If you remember the loaves and the fishes story, they get the loaves from the little boy. And that loaf was a barley loaf. So that's what the poor people ate, was, was barley. But it sustained them. Bread was a staple of their life. Everywhere we went there, there was bread. Delicious bread, as you can maybe tell a little bit. Um, but barley was what the poor people ate. But bread was a staple, but it was also a an example of God sustaining taste and see as we're going to take the Lord's Supper today. I'm asking that you would pray to, to taste and to see as a reminder, as Jesus says, to take this. And a lot of times the poor people would dip the bread into something to give it flavor or bake something within it. Um, but it's a representation of God providing and sustaining us. So taste and see. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2. I want to give you a few examples in the beginning of Luke as a way for us to look at some examples of situations in people's lives that are a little crazy going on, but they also focus on God and He provides them joy even in their circumstances. And so we're in Advent, which means anticipation anticipating an appearing or a coming of Jesus and a reminder of our hope, joy, peace, love and the coming Christ, the light of Christ. Last week we went over hope. It's not a, a luck type of hope, but it's the hope that we have in Christ, which is guaranteed through the word of God and that our hope is built upon our faith. Faith first, faith first, and then hope is built on that. So this week is joy. And joy is not, for me, like there's a difference between joy and happiness. I don't know if you think of it that way, or some people think of, of joy and happiness as kind of the same thing. So I'm going to flesh that out a little bit as we go forward. But for me, joy is lasting, Right? Like happiness is, are like the waves of the ocean. Like they come and they go and they come and they go. That's kind of happiness. Like the, what the world promises us to, to give us happiness. The things that we pursue in this world, but yet they come and they go. Our happiness comes and it goes. But joy is something that's lasting. Now, some people, I would say, would say that joy and happiness are pretty much the same thing. But I would challenge you in this. It's like where that comes from. Like, where does your happiness and joy come from? If it comes from this world, it's going to be like the waves. It's going to come and go and ebb and flow. But if it comes from the Lord, it sustains us. It's consistent. It's something that we can have all the time. So as I'm speaking about joy, I'm speaking about coming from the Lord. And it's something that we can experience consistently in our lives. So let's look at Luke chapter 1. If you would turn with me to your, in your Bibles, Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 32. 
In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. The other translation here is, and he came to her, the angel, and he says, rejoice. Rejoice, O favored one. The Lord is with you to Mary. Verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. As we just learned about David, who goes on to be King David. The prophecy of 2 Samuel chapter 7 about Jesus and the lineage of David, the true king who will come. But here in these verses, I always think that it's funny when an angel appears and it just scared the bejesus out of somebody. I always think of Amanda, like Amanda has the biggest phobia of snakes. So you can just say the word snake and she will like run and scream and jump. Like if she sees something on the grass, like she, she just screams and it's we can't even tease her about it because the phobia is so strong. And, and I know Natty has scared you a couple of times. But you can just say, hey, Amanda, like when we're walking in the woods and she'll just scream and jump and run. But it reminds me of this. When the angel appears, he says, rejoice. And Mary's scared. And I always think of this in my thought. I always have this idea of the angels are sitting there talking like, hey, I hear you're going to go to earth. Talk about a human. Talk to a human. God's going to send you down there. Like, yeah, I'm going down there tomorrow. They said, oh, yeah, remember, they're kind of jumpy. Like, they get really scared. Like, they always say, don't be afraid. Like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Don't be afraid. Or they say, don't be afraid in the beginning. To be as like they forget to say from the very beginning. Hey, don't be. Don't be afraid. The verse 28 says, he, the angel, said to her, rejoice. Greetings. Oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. When I see that in relation to joy, I want to remind you in verse 28 and verse 30 that God also tells us, it says in verse 28, Greetings, oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. Isn't what the benders just read? That we can have joy because the Lord is with us. That's a reminder to you and to me. Emmanuel, God is with us. That we are the favored ones because of our faith in Christ. That the Lord is with you. And in verse 30, he says, do not be afraid. Why? For you have found favor with God. As believers who put our faith and trust in God, we have favor with the Lord. 
Do not be afraid. Rejoice, Christians, fellow brothers and sisters, because of our standing and who we are with God in Christ. It's the same thing. The Lord is with you. Do you know today as believers you have the same thing? Rejoice. Be joyful. Last week I covered this. I can't unpack it today. We won't have enough time. But I want to remind you from last week in hope. First, first Peter chapter 1. Paul says that you and I as those that put their faith and trust in Jesus. We are born again. We are born again in, into a living, breathing, alive hope. We have that. We've been born into that. It even goes on to say that that has been stored up for us in heaven. Like you, nobody can take that away from you. You have been inherited and guarded in heaven, the hope that we have. And we can have joy in that. Even it says in that, those verses, even in our trials and tribulations, that we can have joy. And it's available to you and to me all the time. It's stored for us in heaven. You have to look past the worries of this world. You've got to look past it. David could have looked at all the worries in the world, and he had plenty of them. But yet he decides to put his focus on the Lord. To look upon the presence that God is with you. To look upon the presence of the Lord. Luke chapter 1, verse 47, 41 through 47. This is when Mary visits Elizabeth. Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. Mary is pregnant with Jesus. Mary decides to go and spend time with Elizabeth. And this is what the verses say. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. That was John the Baptist. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for, for what? For joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord, her faith. Verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit, what does it say? Rejoices. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. If John the Baptist left for joy in his mother's womb at the presence of Jesus, at the presence of Jesus as a baby in Mary's womb, imagine the joy that you and I are missing out on today. Imagine the joy that we will have in heaven. If John the Baptist as a baby... Jesus as a baby, 
come close to one another. The presence of God is that close. And John the Baptist leaps for joy. Imagine the joy that we are missing out on today. The presence of God. Focusing on the presence of God brings us joy. Setting your mind on the Lord brings us joy. Again, verse 47. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary rejoiced, had joy in Jesus even though he was not born. Spurgeon wrote this, he said, Brothers, sisters, there are some of you who cannot even sing over a mercy when it is born, but here is a woman who sings over an unborn mercy. What this also meant to Mary was that it would be the same sword that pierced her heart. I couldn't imagine being a mother seeing your son going through the worst way to die ever been invented in this world. To see your son on a cross. I couldn't imagine being that as a mother. And this world is not peachy all the time if you live in this world long enough. The world is sinful and it is broken and bad things happen to good people. It rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. And we as Christians will go through trials at times that test our faith. But yet we can still focus our attention on the Lord and still have joy. And even though our test is faith is our faith is tested in trials come our way, we can still look at examples in the Bible like the shepherds. Luke chapter 2. I'm just going to read two verses, 10 and 11. To the shepherds, and the angels said to them, well, they got it right. They said, fear not first. <laughs> Don't be scared. Don't be jumpy. It says, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great, what? Joy. I bring you good news of great joy. Don't be scared. That will be for a few select religious people. Oh, no, it's not. Sorry. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior. Who is Emmanuel, Christ the Lord, with us? Amen. Now, I think sometimes, and I'll put myself in this boat as well, that we try to focus on the gospel, the good news of great joy that we just read about. But I think as I go on as a Christian, I get focused on other things. And I forget a little bit that it really is good news. It really is of great joy. And I was rereading Romans chapter 7. And it reminded me of how good of news and great joy this is. The Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And what does he say 
in Romans chapter 7. He says, I want to do the right thing, but I just can't. Like, I do the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things that I want to do. But my body is sinful. It does, the, it does the sin within me does these things. I don't want to do that. He says, wretched man that I am. Who will save me? Who will save me from this? This sin, this I'm doing the things that I don't want to do. And it gives us the good news. It says, but thanks be to God for Jesus. Thanks be to God for Jesus, our Savior. This good news that we're hearing about. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Anyone know what that says? What is it? You got it up there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all do. Do you believe that? Even though we are sinners, we do the things we don't want to do. We know that there's something wrong. But because of our faith, there's therefore no condemnation for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus. No condemnation. That God separates our sin as far as the east is from the west. Because of our faith in Jesus. Because of what Jesus did. That's the good news. Of great joy. That the angels were telling to the shepherds. There is therefore no condemnation. For those who put their faith and trust in Jesus. So set your mind on Jesus. Rejoice, O sinner. I want to give you three practical steps. um, Three practical things that you can do. To help with joy. The first one, and we've hit this quite a bit, is to put your eyes on God. Worshiping Him. Being in His Word. Spending time with Him. It's a relationship. It's not a religion. That God, He wants you to spend time. He is jealous for you. He wants to spend time with you. To set your mind upon God will bring you joy. Second one is to recall all the times that God has come through. I'm sure David was thinking about that in the cave. As he was swinging that rock around, he got this big guy in front of him. God comes through. Goliath falls. I'm sure all the times that Samuel talked to him and All the things that God came through, I'm sure those things came to his mind as a reminder that God, he will come through for us. And to think back on those times that God has, that will bring you joy. And the last thing is is your identity and your worth is in Christ. Do you believe that today? No matter what anyone else says about you, no matter your circumstances, those that have put their faith and trust in Christ... Your identity and your worth is in Christ. That God sees you as he sees Jesus. That you have great worth. Worth so much that he would send his only son to die for you. You have worth 
And that is your identity. The world will tell you your identity are a lot of different things. But your ultimate identity is in Christ. And I want to encourage you because I see your faithfulness to follow God. And I pray for all of us that we would have joy in this season. So my question to you is, do you have joy that lasts? Or is it fleeting? Is it like the waves? Can you set your mind upon God, no matter the circumstances, just like David did in the cave? I want to encourage you during this time of reflection of the Lord's Supper to pray to God to help you see Christ for who He is. That it is good news of great joy. To look to Him to look at yourself less and your situation less and to look at God more. Again, in Psalm 34, I'm going to read this before we get into the Lord's Supper. Verse 5 says, Those who look to Him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. You will never be ashamed in front of God because of his son, Jesus. Your face will always be radiant with joy. Verse 6 says this. It says, the poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his trouble. Do you see yourself as that today? As a sinner? A poor man. You got the barley loaf. And you need the Lord. It says to cry out to him. Take refuge in him. And you'll never be ashamed. God will never shame you. Because of your faith. To become a poor man... To admit that you are a sinner requires for us to come to the end of ourselves, to humble ourselves, to see ourselves for who we are, and to put our trust in, in Jesus. And as the Bible says, to cry out to him, and he will hear you. He will hear your call. Just as Paul says, wretched man that I am, who will save me? But thanks be to God for Jesus. Thanks be to God for Jesus. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, I would, I would ask that you would call out to him today. He will not put you to shame. He will give you hope and joy and peace and love, endurance and steadfastness. We've got to put our focus on him. So I pray as we're about to pray, I would just ask, it's going to be a time of reflection I think someone from the worship team is going to come up and, and uh, play. Um, <clears throat> it's going to have a few moments, and then I'll invite everyone to come up and receive the elements. Um, and we'll come back and we'll take those together on the screen. So let's we'll take a few moments. I'm going to pray, and then I'll just give some, some time of reflection. Let's pray. Dear the Father, Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, that your word spoke into our heart as a reminder of the good news of great joy 
that we have. And that, Lord, you remind us that if we just put our focus on you, we put our eyes of faith and focus not on ourselves, not on our circumstances, but if we focus on you, we humble ourselves enough to cry out to you and say, Lord, we need you. This poor man is crying, and you will hear us. And Lord, you can give us joy through seasons of being sick and troubled and all these things and getting prepared for a busy holiday season. Lord, you can give us joy in all of that if we just put our focus on you, that you are jealous for us, that you love us, you want to spend time with us, you want us to depend and lean on you. So Lord, I pray today as we take these elements that we taste and we see that you are good and that you love us. You want the best for us. You want us to have joy. So I pray that you would speak into our hearts now. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, 